general nerdery. I'm going to warn you in advance that there might be some repeats of information in this episode because uh, we recorded the second half a week and a half ago. And so we have no idea where we are in life anymore and everything is confusing. I am so, <laughs> so mixed up right now. <laughs> you were planning for like two weeks from now's episode. I sat down and went, wait, what are we doing now? I don't even know I have happening. my notes done for two weeks from now. I love that you make notes and I show up being like, what's up? Let's do this. We'll be fine. I have four pages of notes. Oh, <laughs> we have opinions about Ted Lasso, but that's next time. Um... Welcome to General Nerdery. We're your generals of nerdery. I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. This is your podcast about liking things. What are we liking today? Uh, what, what did we like in the past? Classic Dune. Oh, yes. <laughs> what a good movie. I did the, <laughs> it's weird to say this because it's the future, but what we've got coming up for you that we did a week and a half ago is pretty good, actually. Like, I'm pretty happy about what, but that's then. Not now. Not now. In the now, what have we been... <laughs> it's like trying to explain Doctor Who. Um, this is why I we hate always, this right now. This is why we always do episodes in a single chunk. Uh, what have we been ingesting? Coke Zero. To make Coke me. Zero. <laughs> I've got blue. It's right. Gatorade, but I just always call blue. it blue. No, okay. Uh, what have I been ingesting? Uh, I am a... I'm probably a shade under halfway through Mass Effect 3. Okay. I'm almost the exact same amount of the way through Dune Messiah. That's the politics heavy one, too. That is the... Like... Oof, yeah. This is... This one is something else. I'm like, oh, oh, wow. Herbert is anti-statist. Herbert's anti a lot of things. Yeah. Um, I've been meaning to reread that one just because I read it, but I read it several years. I read it in like 2014. Mm-hmm. I've been About politically... seven years ago. I've been politically active since I was a small child. Like, we, I grew up listening to NPR at dinner every night. But um, my awareness and opinions on certain political things have uh, grown in mm. the last four years. For, you know... Some some reason or another. <laughs> and um, I guess, like, oh, I will mention, like, I've been going kind of hard at uh, Pokemon Go again. Oh, Not yeah. that I've ever, like, I did, like, get lighter on it at the midpoint through the year when I was having a hard time walking because of my knee. Yeah, no, it's the same way that the amount I play Pokemon Go has dropped a lot thanks to not living near Pokestops, but I still... Mm -hmm. Not playing a lot. I'm still opening it a few times a week. Like, But now that, like, I can move around again and, like, I'm getting my ass back to the gym, which includes walking a few extra miles every week, like, I'm going kind of hard again. It's felt pretty good. I think I'm on track. I'm probably going to hit level 40 right at about the new year. Oh, you're farther. We're both at 39, but I'm at the much earlier stage of 39 than you are and the obscene amount of experience they want you to get to level up. I mean, I'm still about a million and a half XP away. Yeah, that's OK. I'm like, but five, <laughs> like with with all the events that end up going on towards the end of the year, you could I, do it. I have a feeling I'm going to hit 40 right around the same time as the new year. They have. Fucking guaranteed that I will have two special researches until next Halloween. 
Mm. Because both of them want me to catch 40 ghosts. And I caught a lot of ghosts last time, but I had like been out for a little bit and then loaded up and was like, oh, I should make sure I get the Halloween thing done. Oh, caught 40 ghosts. Next stage, catch 40 ghosts. Okay, I can do this. Next stage, catch 40 ghosts. I'm like, oh, this is okay. I feel like there's a couple ghosts I've been seeing around pretty I'm catching ghosts, but, you know, between the two things, I need to catch about 80 ghosts and 40 dork, dork, dork types. Dark types. And uh, that's not much the week before Halloween, but two weeks before Christmas, three weeks before, I don't know, like about yeah. three weeks before Christmas, it is How far? Yeah. Yeah. I've been having to catch 30 dragon type for about two months now. Ooh, yeah, that one's rough. Um, some new dragon types are dropping soon. Yeah. Though, so, so that's going to make it super simple. Dude, like starting tomorrow, it's practically dragon it's week. Dragon so. time. Dragons are the only one I don't have a gold mm. badge on yet, and it's killing Ooh, me. Ooh, I don't know if I do or not. I'd have to take a look again. If you have access to community day more often than someone who mm-hmm. works on Saturday and Sundays do, then you. Probably, probably have do. it. Probably not platinum because that's a pain. No, yeah, that's... but um... but like I've been uh, I've been very purposely like trying to make my raid teams better because I like raiding. Yeah, I need to get some updated like my teams, and then uh, as sort of previously hinted at for the past uh, two days, I went real hard just like rebinging <laughs> through Ted Lasso. <laughs> And, like, really paying attention and gathering my thoughts. And we'll see if those thoughts return a couple weeks from now. No, that's okay. You have the notes. That just means in, like, two weeks you get to relax to watch Ted Lasso and still I mean, have the notes. I'll be honest. Most of my notes are just reminding me what the fuck even happened in the episode. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, and then going from there. So I guess there's a couple things. There's, there's one episode that I might actually be able to come up with some real fun things for between now and then. I'm excited to learn. We'll learn next time. Let's see. What about myself? Um, I've been watching the new Hawkeye. How is I have not yet? Episode one is fine. I had a lot of people who didn't like it. I understand why I enjoyed it more than I've ever enjoyed Jeremy Renner as Hawkeye. But like, that's not mm-hmm. saying a lot. Episode two gave me the first time I gave a single solitary fuck about Hawkeye having a family. Because I prefer wild circus carny Hawkeye to secret agent with a home life Hawkeye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just how I roll. Episode three is fucking baller. It has the, like, car chase scene from the Fraction Run, and it introduces Echo. Sweet. How's Echo so far? I want to say good, with some uh, acknowledgement of I am not a deaf person. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, so I am not, and the actress. So as is, far I as believe, you know, it's being done well. But yeah, uh, my friend who is deaf did have some critique, but his critique was she has this bit. She sees Hawkeye has a hearing aid, and she does not approve. She's like, "You would do better. You know, don't rely on technology so much." Yada yada yada, and he's like, "Well, that's." That I didn't like that, and I mean he has hearing aids, so I mm-hmm. understand why. But uh, and he's like, that's something that someone who is born without hearing is more likely to say than someone who loses their loses hearing. hearing. But I think Echo is born without mm. hearing because there is a point where we see her with her dad, like as a small child, 
Uh, and she's asking him questions like, what sound does the sky make? Oh, okay. He's like, none. Like you, And it's the whole thing is... She uh, she signed for the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I was annoying my poor roommate because Cece doesn't read subtitles very well. She just not great vision at that mm-hmm. distance. So I'm reading all of that out loud to her and kind of killing the mood of the scene a little <laughs> bit. But I will bet money that Vincent D'Onofrio is back as Kingpin in this show. Well... I don't want to quite jump to the news yet because I have a feeling you've been ingesting more than just Hawkeye, and I have one other thing that you just reminded me of that I've been ingesting. Okay. Because he's been playing real coy about it. uh, Fahey confirmed today that if Daredevil shows up in the MCU, it's going to be Charlie Cox. Yes, but there's a whole lot of if in that that I've Okay, so his if, though, like his entire statement is more like, um, so this is happening, but I can't tell you when. If he were to come back. Yeah. Um, but I mean, they talk about uncle and then they see, and they don't show the face. That was part of like what made me be like, oh, that's mm. a big thing. And it's a man in a black suit who is a big man. And he's got a ring on his finger that was like, and I was like, buddy Grizz, he's been on our show. It's like, oh, I wonder who that is. And I'm like, it's Fisk, which you can't do echo story. Without. Without doing Fisk. Part of the problem of Echo ever since is they've been ignoring the really amazing intro stuff that they came up with for her and just putting her in other parts of the world when she should be like, Fisk is a huge part of her story and you can tell great stories mm-hmm. in the same way of Daredevil. I mean, she's a Daredevil character. Let's see what else. Uh, accidentally played Breath of the Wild for 12 hours straight. Fuck yes. Because I was like, hey... I'll just play a little bit before breakfast and then I'll get some stuff done. And next thing I knew it was dark. <laughs> and no stuff had gotten done. <laughs> and no stuff had gotten done. It's okay. It was the first day of my weekend. I got stuff yeah. done the next day, but like, this is why I don't play video games much. Cause it's all or nothing. I understand. I understand. Yeah, I know you would. Uh, and I started WandaVision. Oh, I've oh, only yeah. seen the first episode. Because you made me promise to watch one episode w- at a time. You don't, I would say up until the one where they break format, which will be pretty obvious. Yeah. I, yeah. At that point, like, it's a little bit more all bets are off. And if you just want to binge towards to the mm-hmm. end. But up to that point, the mystery is so much like, ooh. And we'll, even though, like, you've read enough comics to not have as much mystery. Yeah. And we will talk more about this in our, because I'm doing this for a New Island episode that comes up in about a month. So if you want to know more, listen to that. The first episode is fine. I'm not a huge fan of I Love Lucy era sitcom, mm-hmm. so the episode itself doesn't super grab me, but they did a good job of With, uh, that. Era appropriate effects. Yeah. Which is impressive. I There's a lot of things I really like about it, even if the episode itself is just mm-hmm. fine. So the thing that I've, I've realized I need to throw mm-hmm. in when you brought up Hawkeye, I was like, oh, yeah, something else just dropped. I watched uh, the last half of uh, Masters Universe Revelation. Oh, me too. Oh, I loved it's it. I thought it was great. Oh, my God. You can actually hear. Well, I didn't think all of it was great, but you can hear most of what I thought was great by like going and checking out our Twitter because <laughs> I live tweeted it did again. You like? Oh, I there was a nothing I like. Dislike, disliked mm-hmm. so much as I was just like, 
mm, saw that coming or was just like, ah, that was meh. No, there's a few moments that are huge surprises for it, but Evil Lynn's I Have the Power look is fucking amazing. Oh, yeah, no, that was awesome. Dark Lynn was great. Um, no, like, I guess um, the very first fight with Skelegod, mm-hmm. where they kind of have to get away for the story to continue, like... It was yeah. the most boring fight Skeletor is in in the entire series, even though he had just gotten a massive upgrade. Yeah, and it was a Super Saiyan fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you there. I didn't dislike it, though. Yeah, like, I didn't I was dislike it. Yeah, I was yeah. still just like, I, I get it. Like, you need to have them get away right now or else the story ends right now. I had no idea that his mother is supposed to have been from Earth. Oh, yeah. She mentioned, I just, I have seen a little bit of the He-Man reboot from when I was in middle school, and that is... Oh, yeah, the 2002. Yeah, and that is, like, the entirety of my He-Man experience, other than Masters. So, Mm. uh, let's see what else. I had a few other things. Uh, I was watching through She-Ra and Castlevania, and then stopped both of those at season ends. I finished season two of Castlevania, Mm. season one of She-Ra, because there are things I have to get done before I can dive back in. Oh my God, that season end of Castlevania is very good. And the first time they actually dropped the fucking needle on a track from the games. Oh, okay. See, I wouldn't have gotten that. Um, and we have started Mando season two rewatch because Book of Boba Fett comes out in like soon. a week and a half. Yeah. yeah, super soon. Gotta make sure that's done. That's what I'm doing when I get home. We're probably gonna plow through like three episodes because we get excited. Nice. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I need. I should do that, too. I offered to do two seasons, and CeCe's like, no, we don't have time. <laughs> we will if we watch a lot of it. I like your thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's the problem of working full-time. Right. Um, so we got we got news-ish We things. got news. Mostly, like, two more trailers to talk about. Yeah. Because trailer means things are actually coming out. Yeah, and we that's have things to have, And we have things to have opinions on. Oh, my God. Let's do Matrix first. The one okay. that I am less excited about while still looks super good. I like how this trailer is like the straight ahead explanation. Like if you didn't see what we were doing in the first trailer by mirroring things, here's the dumb version. Mm-hmm. Well, here's the action version. Here's the mm-hmm. bit where we're really showing like, this is still a Matrix film. Because the first one... But now it's more like, why is this being mirrored? Because it is implied by some of the dialogue in that trailer that some of it is intentionally being fed to Neo to keep him clouded. But it seems like things even in the real, quote-unquote, real world or people from the real world are also kind of part of that loop? Yeah, there's a whole lot of... I'm just hoping it's not Inception with a Matrix within a Matrix or something like that. But, uh... Is this setting up for a new trilogy, or is this a standalone? Um, I would imagine it... I don't think it's intentionally setting up for a new trilogy, but I think it's one of those ones where it's like, let's... If somebody has the right idea. Yeah, I kind of got the sense that this whole thing is happening because... Who is it? Is Lana Wachowski that's doing Mm -hmm. this one? Being like, they've been telling me for years they want to do another one if I don't do it. Somebody's going to. They just to. will. Yeah. yeah. So I better do it. I mean, the reason Zack Snyder took Watchmen. He's like, yeah, but, at least I'm a fan. But I trust Wachowski gonna, to yeah. do this more than I trust. No, but I mean, it's the same deal, though. Like, they're going to do it. Mm-hmm. 
But and this is such a personal one for her. I'm actually really looking forward to re. I'm really looking forward to this movie and rewatching the old ones because I haven't. I doubt I've seen The Matrix since college. Okay. I'm trying to think of when the last time I would have watched them was. Probably. Uh, Post college, maybe once. For sure, in college, I rewatched them all. But I'm trying to think what else pull from it. Oh, um. I know they they normally in the comics keep this character clean shaven, but I kind of want Keanu like bearded Keanu as Eternal Warrior. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. I mean, part of me also would rather have it be a Middle Eastern man because he's fucking the inspiration for Enkidu, according to some stories. (laughs) But he looks the part. Mm-hmm. And I would rather have, there's this need that people have, which we talked about a little bit with our Valiant Universe episode, to make Eternal Warrior just fucking ripped. The the Dave Batista choice. Which yeah, but he's kind of, he's kind of lithe. He doesn't, like, he needs to be muscled. But yeah, I don't want Arnold to be Eternal Warrior. Oh, Jesus. Speaking of usually heavily muscled, but can do like lithe muscled, uh, wasn't one of our fucking news items. But did you see the Jason Cromoa pics? No. Yeah. Pick surfer. Still... No, no. But pick surfaced from back when he was attached to the crow. Well, he used of... to like go look up his old Stargate Atlantis stuff. I mean, he still looked buff back then, but he was uh, itty bitty compared to where he is. I mean, he's gone full rock with it of like, you Mm -hmm. are a huge, oh my God. So my mom texted me. She's like, I watched Dune. And I'm like, oh, which one? And she's like, both of them. I'm like, did you ever see the original? She's like, no. Okay, well, what'd you think? She goes, I really like the old one. It like had this and told the whole story and yada, yada. You know, we'll get into our opinions of this later. I was like, okay, what'd you think of the new one? She goes, it had Jason Momoa in it. (laughs) <laughs> uh which that's jason momoa yeah god that looks like brandon lee yeah that is that makes me a lot more sad that his version didn't happen because i kind of had written his like the version i wanted happening was the tom hiddleston cast i see that too um not the uh bradley cooper was also attached at one time oh, that's i did terrible i did not want to see that one, one. <laughs> uh hmm and the Jason Cromoa one, I was just like, well, I like him. I am having a hard time picturing it. But now that I've seen it, I'm Physically, like, yes. Uh, but he's still... I, he's still not the greatest actor? Jason Momoa plays Jason Momoa, which is okay. Uh, but, oh, that was my bit. And I was like, well, you know, Mom, this tracks with your apparent crush on Jason Momoa. Because you also had a crush on Arnold Schwarzenegger that you still get giddy about. So I guess you just have a thing for people who have played Conan the Barbarian. Yeah. I really like his Conan the Barbarian. I was talking about that. Someone with that at work the other day. In Conan the Barbarian. I think he was poorly served by every single aspect of that movie. Yes. I mean, they were I mean doing... the movie did feel more like a pulp story. Yes, but they were also doing like script rewrites the day of, and that's never no. a good yeah, yeah. sign. Like, and they were like, yeah, we're going to have this be like hardcore. There's like, because there's pictures of him with actresses out and they're, you know, mm-hmm. tits out and naked dudes in the back. And like, 
weird Conan sexy rated R and they tamed it right the hell up because they were scared of making, I mean, especially cause this was before Deadpool came out. They were, they're still just terrified of making R rated genre films mm-hmm. and I don't want all of them to be R rated, but some of them make sense, but I want Conan to be R rated. Yes. <laughs> Because I've been listening to Conan stories again. And yes, as we've covered, they racist in some spots. But they're also, like, getting the Blood Boil R-rated stuff. Like, that's, mm-hmm. you know. Um, sorry, news. Matrix. That's Matrix. what we were talking about. Matrix. Keanu as Eternal Warrior <laughs> oh, led yes. to Jason Cromoa. Sure. <laughs> I also would like Jason Momoa as the Eternal Warrior. I wouldn't have a problem Yo, with that. Yo, for real. That would be great. <laughs> That would be fucking fantastic. <laughs> the first time in history, the Eternal Warrior is a smartass. Um, oh man! Go, then could we like plump Keanu up a little bit and have him be Armstrong? Sure, and then just find <laughs> someone to for Carrie Ann Moss to play because she looks great in this. Yeah, I read a thing about this that was saying clearly this is much more Carrie's movie, and. They do have a couple things of like the most important decision of his life isn't his to make. And then it switches to Carrie Ann Moss in the imagery. So she's got more story going in this one rather than the girlfriend. And I don't mean to insult her roles in the previous movies Mm because she was fucking great in all of them. But she was also sort of the girlfriend. Yeah. Um, so I'm hoping for more of that, more than that. That's what I was trying to say. But I don't have too much to say about this. I mean, honestly, like, we both just watched it. It kind of, some of it felt like where we end up with at the end of He-Man, where she's kind of the more important sorceress figure that, like, actually has something to do with the power, but he's the champion. Fuck, if you think shitty people were pissed off about He-Man being about Tila, <laughs> just wait until Matrix isn't about the one. Ugh. Even though He-Man, even in that first half, was just fucking seeped through that entire thing. Yeah, yeah so much. Oh my god, Savage He-Man was so cool. Uh, Hulkman? He-Hulk? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Level 20 Barbarian? Yeah. Full on rage. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Okay, so this is the one that I am, that I was real excited. I sent you all caps text messages about mm-hmm. last night. Uh, Across the Spider-Verse Part 1 released a first look trailer. It's barely a trailer. It is like part of a scene. And I'm not even sure if that's actually going to be the scene. I was wondering if we're going to, I don't care. I watched it five times in the last 12 to 14 hours. Um, I mean... Yeah, you don't seem you you get the back half of what was already inferred at the end of uh, mm-hmm. fucking Spider Verse. Uh, it was remarkable how not emotional like a lump in my throat, but emotional like excited I got the moment I saw that style of animation again. Mm. I cannot get over how much I love the animation style of these movies. Yeah, pretty fantastic. And the new that new little bit that he falls into is pretty great. Yeah. It's different. It is definitely not following the exact same. It's almost sketchier, mm-hmm. which it looks a little bit like some of what we saw of her universe. So I'm wondering if he's going to end up in hers for part of it. That one definitely wasn't hers. Hers. Um, well, first off is mostly bisexual lighting. That's true. 
but it also like I just rewatched the movie this past week. I didn't include that with my ingesting. Oh, but it's coming. I have too. I have that new TV that I've just Only been putting through. Only reason that it might not come up tonight because I'm thinking about this is because Boba Fett. But but hers um, isn't so much sketch as I would describe as almost chalk. Mm, that's fair. And even that's not quite fair. Like ch- chalk is not what I would. It doesn't look chalky, but it looks more like that and like faded and like, yeah, painted. And like, I mean, her place looks vaporwave basically (laughs) (laughs) to an extent. Yeah. Oh God. That movie's so good. Uh, Both of their costume designs have been updated. Mm -hmm. His. Well, and now he has a costume. Yeah. He has a full on cost. I like the old one better, but I also think the old one is the Miles Morales suit, like how it appears, the kind of homemade redesigned Spider-Man. It is my favorite version of Miles Morales's costume. And the Miles Morales costume is in the top two of the like greatest designs of costuming of the past, probably 15 years of comics. The other one being Gwen Stacy. And it's, I like, I like the look of his original suit, but I like what, what him getting a new suit truly represents. I do. And it's not enough that I'm, like, mad about it. I just like the other one a little better. It does seem like they've got a kind of tracksuit look that they're going for it with the stripes down the Mm -hmm. side. I like it infinitely better than his new costume in the comics. I don't know if I've seen his new one in the comics. It's not great. Okay. It's fine. But his old costume is fucking great. (laughs) So fine. I don't know. It, it's uh, much more all red. And then he's got like the coat is much more of a part of it. Okay. And, but it goes up over like what would be up over his nose. Like it hangs out Ooh. of like a kind of collar scarf thing. Okay. I'm just I'll, I'll just have to look it yeah. up later. Uh, it just looks like it should be falling down all of the time. Mm. Or like he's having to like prop his shoulders up to keep it like, um, <laughs> Again, it's not bad. It's a decent Spider-Man redesign. It's just not as good as the classic Miles. Uh, and then Gwen looks almost the same. They changed her ballet shoes for for Reeboks, basically. Yeah. And then slight tweaks to her arms, and we think kind of her torso parts, but not... The ch- any changes to her torso is small enough that you and I couldn't place what it was, just that it looked a little different. Yeah, I, I could fucking swear that there was something different with the lines on her torso, but I don't know what they are. Like, like I could not. I, like, I went yeah. back and forth, and I was like, maybe not, but I, I could have I mean, we paused swore. it on your big fancy TV, and we're looking at the old one on my phone, and no, yeah. Um, hers looks great. It's still... Fine. Yeah. The the returning cast we have for sure is those two and Peter B. Parker. Yes. Which are the three that you need to return. So yeah. no worried on John Mulaney or Nick Cage or I really should have looked up Penny Parker's actress's name. Kamiko Glenn. Kamiko Glenn, which I kind of feel like if you're not going to have one of those, you shouldn't have any of those three. And I was worried about adding too many more spiders. So adding for sure Oscar Isaac as Miguel. I wouldn't mind seeing Penny back just to see her like victorious in a battle and not get her fucking. It's true. She's the only one that didn't really fully win. Yeah, no, she she kind of got her shit rocked. I mean, she did a fair amount of shit rocking herself. I suspect but... in part two, we're going to see those three back. 
Oh, that's the other thing. It's confirmed part one, part two. Yes. Which we did not. We didn't know that before. We knew they no, were making two I think that was one three, of the big surprises. Uh, before it was just into the Spider-Verse 2, and now it's across the Spider-Verse part one. Mm-hmm. Who I want is Mayday Parker, who is the daughter of Spider-Man, because my own little like headcanon, if I got to choose what to do, at the end of Into the Spider-Verse, Peter Parker, Peter P. B. Parker was like, do I want kids? So I would have it of he's going to be a dad now. Like he's gotten back together with Mary Jane. He's going to be a dad. He's freaking the hell out about it because he is a mess, Mm -hmm. you know, and then he meets an adult version of his daughter and has to deal with that and have it really become real for him. But he's going to be a dad and she has to meet like the messed up dirty version of her dad. Not dirty, like creepy, but just, you know, Kind of heavy set and wearing sweatpants. I love yeah. Peter B. Parker. <laughs> I don't know. Like, we're getting Miguel. I can't wait to see if I can Oscar Isaac oh, tear it up. I'm so happy about that. He's also, like, beating the shit out of fucking Miles there for a minute. And I'm curious to see what all goes down with that. He's at the very least, like, full on grabbing and being like, you will come with me to what looks like 2099. Mm-hmm. Megacorps are just a real thing now. 2099 doesn't seem that radical anymore other than the, like, flying cars. Other news, unless you have other thoughts about Spider-Man. Ooh, do I have other thoughts about Spider-Man? No, I mean, we don't get enough for me to have other thoughts about That's kind of the thing on these trailers. There's just, both of them I was very excited about, but they weren't, which is what a trailer should do. I don't want the whole story in the first, like, two minutes. Invisible Woman uh, are small bits of comic news. Let's see. The big story is that IDW which is generally the number three spot, number three or number four spot in uh, like the rankings of the big comic book companies. Mm-hmm. It's like DC Marvel or big two and then dynamite IDW dark horse and image kind of scrap. Okay. For the next position. It's usually kind of image and then IDW, but it, it those ones circle a little bit. Uh, but IDW looks like it is losing its Hasbro light toy license, comics license, which means they're losing Transformers and G.I. Joe and probably Dungeons and Dragons and My Little Pony and ROM Space Knight. And I mean, they don't have a ROM book running right now. I think they have a My Little Pony, but who knows? And those other three aren't confirmed, but it sounds like they're for sure losing Transformers and G.I. Joe. Wow. And that's big for them because those are like other than TMNT kind of they're like reliable money makers especially as long as they keep making those movies yeah I mean it's the fucking Transformers mm-hmm. like there's always Transformers stuff coming out and they do good work like I I'm not a Transformers guy for the most part and I've I own several of the IDW Transformers books and kind of they haven't officially announced this yet but some of the confirmation their editor-in-chief who is has close ties to Hasbro and came up after like editing those lines and being the chief Hasbro editor guy is out. Mm. So it really seems like they're gone. And there was a lot of question of who is going to take over these lines. I was going to bet money. It was Marvel. I still think there's a decent chance. Marvel swoops in. Marvel used to have these lines. And uh, they've been putting in a lot of effort into reclaiming IPs that they used to have. They reclaimed Conan, they reclaimed Star Wars, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Most of Star Wars. That's we'll going to that. be that. But, uh, but it sounds like Image is going to be 
the new Hasbro people, which is a really interesting kind of wild thing. There's no confirmation of any of this or where it's going. How would that work within the image? It is unclear. Now, for those of you who do not know, Image, as a company, owns no IPs. It owns no intellectual property. Image has their different, uh, the different founders had their different imprints, Mm -hmm. little mini companies. Uh, There's Top Cow. There used to be Wildstorm. There was whatever McFarlane calls his spawn stuff, whatever. Oh, yeah, whatever it is. Top Cow is the only one where the name has really emerged. But everyone. It's probably McFarlane is the best suck at losers. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> that was really good. I'm sorry. Uh, but they it's all creator owned stuff. Now, over the last 10 to 15 years, it's become much more common to just publish under the image banner instead of, say, under Top Cow, under whoever, Shadow right. Line, under whatever. Uh, Kirkman's is Skybound. And they did publish some of these before, but it was Dreamwave was a separate company that was just. They were making the comics and stuff, but they were publishing through Image. Right. And then Dreamwave turned out to be a giant scam, and people were owed millions of dollars. And Dreamwave is a whole thing that we're not going into. But this is still really unusual for them to lease an IP through Image. Top Cow used to have the, like, Laura Croft Tomb Raider IP. But other than that, and I recently saw... Summoner's War, which is apparently a mobile game that I did not know about until mm. I bought the comic and went, this feels like a wider universe. IPs going through image is really unheard of because they're usually creator owned. So this right. is a new approach for image that is possibly risky because their creator owned is their thing. But also Transformers is a reliable cash cow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's going to be weird. I'm curious to see how this develops, especially if it does, in fact, go to image. The only reason I wanted it to be Marvel, and I am a little worried about, you know, um, Marvel becoming a monopoly in ways, is I want Rom Space Knight to go back to Marvel so they can stop alluding to him and actually just... Use Rom. Yeah, because Rom has this deep history. No one knows who Rom is, <laughs> but we do. Rom has this deep history in Marvel that just doesn't come up. And they'll just be like, look, there's a toaster in the back. That's Rom's head, but we'll totally not draw attention <laughs> to it kind of stuff. So I would love Rom to be back. But other than that, I don't care. Like, Yeah. Um, it'd be fun to see Death's head with the Transformers again. But man, I am digging deep into things that no one else has ever heard of. And then... uh I guess our little bit of science. Oh, real or, quick. Yeah, yeah. Dark Horse oh, is getting right. Star Wars comics again. Not all of them. And I don't know the full details, but it's just cool enough to mention because we talked about Star. We thought Dark Horse was fucked after they lost the Star Wars license. But Disney is shopping out. I think it's mostly like some young adult line stuff. Some of the, for whatever reason, they don't think it fits into whatever Marvel's doing with Star Wars stuff right now. But Well, I think... I think what I saw had sort of alluded to, like, young adult, but then also, like, edgier stuff. So the stuff that doesn't fit into the kind of designed line they have going on at Marvel. Yeah, it's kind of like when, let's see, when um, Nightmare Before Christmas Mm -hmm. first dropped on home video. It wasn't through Disney. It wasn't through Disney. It was Touchstone, which was Disney-owned. 
that reminds me, IDW also recently lost. They had the Marvel All Ages license. Mm. Marvel was publishing their like kid books through IDW, and then decided not to do that anymore. Which makes sense. I always thought that was weird. IDW's taken some hits. Yeah, I would. I would imagine if there's anything that they're like. We would like this story to be told, but it doesn't really fit with the rest of our brand. It's either too kiddy or too sexy. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> which, honestly, either one can be done pretty well with Star Wars. Uh, yeah, yeah. So that's, I mean, good for them. Yeah. They still get to, like, ride the, the Star Wars wave a little bit. Yeah, I'm sure Dark Horse guy is just like, oh, thank God. <laughs> Shit, right? <laughs> I didn't even think about that. He's probably just like, ooh, ooh, guess who's keeping his job? <laughs> <laughs> All right, little bit of science. I don't have a lot of, like, super deep details on this. It was just kind of neat. They finally, I mean, the year 2021, there was finally actually a study done to, sh- to see how caffeine affects your, like, reaction. So have I been lying to myself for years while drinking the obscene amount of coffee I drink? No, like, so it's been kind of known, like, the alertness is just like, we all fucking know that. Yeah. Whatever. Um, I think they've done studies, like, showing that your eye movements are definitely quicker. So there's certain things, especially if you're studying details on something that is stationary, probably can do it a little bit quicker. The difference with this study was most things in your life are not stationary. Mm-hmm. Most things involve either you're moving or the other thing that you're watching is moving. Yes. So does it help with that? Turns out it does. You have enhanced visual acuity, which leads to faster reaction times. Pick out um, finer details and more accurate details in moving objects when under the effects of caffeine. That said, be careful. You can fuck yourself up on caffeine. I've known people to do it. Um, it takes a lot, but you can do it. So it doesn't seem like they even had all that much caffeine. Um, I'm having a hard time finding exactly. Ew. I think the the size of the capsule was uh, tailored to their body weight. Okay. Four milligrams per kilogram of body here, weight. Here is a safe amount of caffeine for you to ingest four milligrams per kilogram how many kilos am i i'm curious what that would end up being for me give me give me a second now holy shit actually that's the four milligrams to kilogram yeah that's a good amount of caffeine that they were being given like a kilogram isn't much so uh four milligrams to the kilogram would mean that my dose would be a 444 milligram capsule my pre-workout, which most people consider to be pretty extreme for when I hit the gym, is like 320 milligrams. So it's like a couple of energy drinks. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, shit, I have an energy drink in the other room that's 180 milligrams. Okay, so it's like three of those. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Two and a half. Anyways, that is a lot of caffeine. I think my heart would explode. But I'd be able to catch a bird out of the air. So, you know, upside down, side. <laughs> Next time you need to catch a bird out of the air, you know what to <laughs> do. Do not catch birds out of the air. Oh, my God. One of the first times I ever met my mother-in-law. Like, I, okay. I met her a couple of times, but this is still mm-hmm. pretty early on in the relationship. Um, we're hanging out, out behind the barn, and she just walks up 
and she's holding a dove in her hands. Okay. And we were like, where did you get that? And she just laughed. And we never learned where the dove came from. <laughs> That's the whole story. <laughs> There's no bristle. I still don't know where the dove came from. How much caffeine was she drinking that day? Probably a lot. I've seen her <laughs> coffee maker. Um, yeah, so caffeine actually does help. It's scientifically proven now. That's, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just, that is fun. That's that's fun. Um, I like when it's just stupid shit like that where that we all kind of take for granted a little bit, but... Uh, we proved this. And you're like, oh, sweet. Like, that I, person's now addicted to caffeine pills. Now I... Yeah, right? Jesus. Yeah, I'm just realizing just how much caffeine they were giving some of these people. Oh, God. <laughs> but now I need them to study my preferred gaming mixture. If I'm going to sit down and, like, go real sweaty try hard like either like super pushing and competitively ranked something or going for best times or something. It's just like rip a couple bong loads and just slam a fucking energy drink and then start the game. I would die. <laughs> I can't do energy drinks. I can drink my body weight and caffeine, but you get the energy drinks. I'm like, yeah, they're like water to me. Yeah, I've, I've noticed it terrifies me. <laughs> so that's our news. That's our news. Okay. That's our that's our recording for today because yeah, we so recorded in the past. You're going to take a quick break and go listen to what we think of Dune. I'm going to go record an episode of uh, The Art of War Gaming. Uh, oh. Shameless plug. And Tyler's going to probably take a nap. Um, yeah, no, I think I get to go help my girlfriend move some more stuff at her place, which I've been doing off and on all weekend. All right, so. so Tyler's going to go be a good citizen and the rest of us are going to do podcasting stuff. Yeah. Uh, That's, it, it feels weird. Cause like, yeah, I keep feeling like I should say goodbye or like dismissed anyways, partially dismissed. <laughs> we come to you now, eight days in the past. Oh, yeah, this yeah. is a past <laughs> segment because of what we're going to record later. Right. Okay, so oddly enough, this is possibly the most complicated episode of General Nerdery we've ever recorded for, like, one of the least complicated things we've ever watched. <laughs> Will's back. Hello. Hello. Will's back. See? Uh, but he's not going to... You already know all this part. I'll have explained it in the future. Anyways, we are sitting here talking before we watch... Dune 1984, Dune. David Lynch's masterpiece, that he would be so mad at me for saying that. Yes. Uh, we're going to talk, Will, about... Alan you. Smithy's masterpiece. Alan Smithy's masterpiece! Uh, Alan Smithy is a name that directors would take on when they did not want... If I have to... Correct yeah, me, yeah. Right? Oh, uh, like, okay, okay. They don't want their name on the project. <laughs> and they don't just want to be like, the from the director. Dune. <laughs> uh, I don't think they do it anymore, but... Yeah, I don't know when the last time an Alan Smithy thing happened was, uh, but anyway. Will, other than the fact that you, I have shouted about this movie to you a lot, <laughs> what do you know about this movie? Not much. It's been it's been the it's been the various bits and pieces you've fed me over the past couple of months. It's but I don't know, even those bits So I've, it's mostly Patrick Stewart and that old video game commercial that you've seen. Yes, I have. I have heard the Patrick Stewart line about mood is for cattle in love play. So I have heard that specifically. 
I will die on this hill. That is the most perfectly delivered line in the history of cinema. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty... I will take no critiques. It's... I think good. there's better delivered lines in the movie, but I'm not going to get to them right now. I'm going to let the movie okay. speak for Top itself. Top five. <laughs> you and I were shouting some of them at each other when I saw you coming home from the gym today. Yes. Um, <laughs> I know what my top like two or three probably are. but Basics of this movie before we dive into it. 1984, David Lynch. Turns down Return of the Jedi. Oh, he, I didn't know that. They asked him to do Jedi? Yes, they asked him to do Jedi. Oh, boy. Wait, and what? Did, he was going and to he direct... did this instead? Mm-hmm. Now, the thing to understand, and I want you to think about this while we're watching this, <laughs> everyone thought this movie was going to fucking slap. Okay. They thought this was going to be huge. I read a line from, I think it's the producer. <laughs> they thought it was going to slap. It was also still considered to be unfilmable. <laughs> Look, I've seen the new one. I yeah. think it's filmable, and I'm not entirely unconvinced that they're wrong, <laughs> especially in a single movie. There is a quote, I think, from the producer, although someone up high, um, that was like, we thought we were making Star Wars for adults. And I want you to think about that while we are watching this, because I think they succeed in that goal. But it also kind of entirely explains why this went wrong in my mind. Like, that's kind of my thesis, because okay. Star Wars for adults takes away all the fun, cool shit of Star Wars. I say that while fucking so excited to watch this movie. <laughs> very, very excited. I might have a little bit more information about that by the time we're done uh, watching the movie, because I'm going to do just a little bit of research in the background. Because you and I have seen it about Because I've seen it so many yeah. times. But Are we, We're watching, what, just the original theatrical? The original theatrical, yes. Okay. okay. Uh, I decided not to go with the Spice Diver edit, even though that would have been fun. And That's the unofficial? That's the unofficial fan edit that, um, see, I there was deleted scenes, mm -hmm. and then there was extra scene. I believe this is one of those movies that the first time they showed it on TV, they did it as a miniseries event with extra scenes to pad out the time over the course of two nights. Interesting, oh. okay. I'm not okay. positive about that, but I know that they did that with Waterworld, which is kind of where you get the Ulysses cut. If I've seen Waterworld, it was 20 years ago. So the Spice Diver edit edits back in like the deleted scenes. It reorders some of the scenes to match the book a little bit better and to just make better narrative sense. Well, and doesn't it use some of the sci-fi channel? I don't know if it I does for I sure think, or not. I've not seen, I shouldn't be talking here. I've not seen the Spice Diver cut. And then it also gets rid of most of the voiceovers except for the ones uh, that are absolutely needed mm -hmm. okay and then lynch himself tried to do a director's edition if i remember yeah, there but is a cut of the movie that he finally put his name on but he's not happy with it still <laughs> no it's I've, <laughs> I've seen it once i actually think it's worse mm. because he tried so hard i mean and it's one of those things we're all like oh we need the director's cut but we don't always have what we need for a proper director's cut especially if you come back 20 years later to do it mm-hmm mm. uh because, you know, fucking whatever with the Snyder cut, he was able to come back and refilm like a hundred hours of movie, 500 hours of miniseries movie. <laughs> uh, they didn't have that. He, they only had the stuff that he shot and some of the stuff they wanted to do just never got shot. Never got shot. So you can't. And some of their workarounds on that were uncomfortable. Well, and in some ways, this is already like the what they wanted to do was Yodorowsky's Dune. 
I forgot to mention. I I don't. Th- I think I mentioned it to you. I don't think we watched it. Yeah. No. You told me. You told me to go watch. You told me to hunt it down. I have not yet. We will do an episode on it sometime because I haven't seen it cool. either. But Yordowski's Dune was supposed to be what, like six to nine hours long. <laughs> it's kind of funny because I've seen. I feel like I've seen um, due to a Twitter account that I follow more, at least about the ships specifically that were supposed to be in that one. Well, I've shown I have you some about... pictures, too, and they, they hired fucking well, Chris. Well, the, I've seen those pictures before. I recognized those pictures when you showed me. They hired fucking Chris Foss, who is one of the great science fiction artists of all time. Mm-hmm. He's up there with, uh, what's his name, the guy who does the Star Wars illustrations. Um, I, I, yeah, it's gone. That guy. I'm going to think of it in the middle of this movie, and I will scream <laughs> it. And then they got Mobius, who is literally one of the greatest comic book artists of all time, did an absolutely buck-wild Silver Surfer story, among other things, <laughs> uh, to do the regular. It is... Well, not just that. Like, he had different artists for different places, so, like... Giger designed all the Harkonnen stuff. Jordowski's Dune was unfilmable. <laughs> yes. Like, there's a reason it didn't happen, and I'm not unhappy it didn't happen, but I'm also desperately unhappy that he it didn't happen. cast Salvador Dali as the emperor. Oh, my God. Okay. Dali only agreed to do it if he was going to be the most, like, the highest paid actor of all time at that time. And Ralph so he- McQuarrie. I'm sorry. Mm. That was go- that, where you were. And... <laughs> Like, Yodorowsky convinced him to basically take, like, an hourly rate on that. And, oh, and, then, and then was only going to put him in the movie for, like, two minutes. Oh, <laughs> and it was going to be, like, at a, it was going to be at a rate that technically would make him the highest paid actor of all time at the time. <laughs> that is... That is buck wild. Okay, so this movie's not as buck wild as that. But it is the most 80s goddamn thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Super excited. Um, I was talking with Danny earlier today of, of Fried Squirms, also on Earworm. Uh, this early, like, first half of this decade fucking kills it when it comes to science fiction, or, like, late 70s, mm-hmm. early 80s. I mean, we already know Star Wars Return of the Jedi came out, the, what, the year before this? Something like that. Uh, Star Wars was, uh, Jedi was 83, I believe. Mm. Blade Runner came out within a couple of years of this. Star Trek and Star Trek 2 came out with a couple of years of this. I don't think Search for Spock was much later than this. So three. Uh, um, Alien. Uh, I think Aliens would have been around not too much later than this. Terminator would have been not too far from this. Right. There's a period kind of centered around this era that just figured out how to do sci-fi in a way we had never done before. Yeah, and I know for I my parents raised me on a lot of a lot of movies and shows from this era. I mean, Terminator, Alien, and Star Trek have Alien been... gave me nightmares for fucking months. <laughs> I couldn't. I still don't like That's watching so those good. movies. Oh, it's great. Yeah. Um, oh, and then fucking Star Trek: Next Generation comes out three years after this. Like no, this was eighties. Yeah. Was the and I'm you know Back to the Future, which is. A very different oh, yeah. kind of sci-fi, but... But sci-fi. 80s, and a, like, cultural milestone. <laughs> 80s is kind of the golden age of science fiction in a lot of ways. Uh, fucking, yeah. okay, Battlestar Galactica 1981 was dog shit, but it was there too. Like, just, <laughs> just to mention it. It's set up for us getting the good version later. <laughs> <laughs> 
the fucking fantastic version later. I cannot say enough good things about that show. Yeah, However, I just haven't figured out how we will do an episode around that one because it is a heavy show. Yes. Yeah. Nothing happens yet. Everything happens in every fucking episode. It's also yeah. weirdly Mormon, but that's not <laughs> important to do. Well, <laughs> the twelve tribes. Um, it goes way deeper than that. I know. It's, no, mm. I know. But also, the one of the main writers is super Mormon. I was listening to another podcast that went deeper into that. Um. Anyway, that's not for this episode. No. For this episode, <laughs> we barely talked about Dune. Yeah, no, because uh, we we don't need to talk about it yet. We just needed to set up that uh, Will here is about to watch it. Uh, we'll take, well, for you, we'll be a quick break, and for us, we'll be, I don't know, about two hours. Yeah, and, yeah, here. yeah, about that. So I'm not going to lie, for the last two days, and up through about partway through this movie, I was like, what if the new one has ruined this movie for me? It hasn't. It has not at all. <laughs> like half, and I'm like, God, it has. Like, I'm more excited about the pug than anything. And halfway through, I'm like, fucking yes! <laughs> this movie is objectively perfect, and it's objectively bad. That's my thesis for this episode. Will? <laughs> you just experienced that. Boy, howdy, that sure was something that was on the screen for a while. <laughs> okay. First, just skim off the top thoughts. Um, well, I mean, I guess I was surprised by how much, like, oh, right, no, this is, in fact, going to be this story. And also how often it was like, also, we're just going to do our own thing now because we can. So, like, half the time. <laughs> okay. I have a couple of... Also, Patrick Stewart. Also, Patrick Stewart. I have a couple of base questions for you. And then, <laughs> while I'm sure we'll cover stuff that they did badly, I do actually kind of want to go over and talk about what they did well. Because this movie's insane. <laughs> but can we first talk about the Patrick Stewart of this? Because you guys might enjoy this story if you didn't already know. I think I already know this one, but please tell it anyways. Uh, so first off, it wasn't supposed to be Patrick Stewart. Uh, the actor that they had gotten, they ended up having to fire like right before production because he um, was a raging alcoholic. Do we know what that act is? That actor, anyone we'd recognize or, um, not anyone you guys would recognize. Cause I barely recognize the name. Um, his name was Aldo Ray. Nothing. Nope. Nope. So with that Lynch wanted to cast Patrick Stewart except not the Patrick Stewart, Stewart that's on screen. <laughs> <laughs> they had seen a different actor named Patrick Stewart in like a Broadway production. I think of Macbeth, it might've been of Hamlet and got mixed up. Uh, like they're like, yeah, we want Patrick Stewart. And they're uh, like, Oh okay. yeah, Patrick Stewart would love to do it because Patrick Stewart was actually a fan of Lynch's previous work. And so, like, the day before filming is supposed to start, like, they bring in Patrick Stewart to meet the director, and he's like, it's so, like, it's so nice to meet you, like, I loved Elephant Man or whatever. Like, I'm so thankful you asked me to be here. <laughs> and David Lynch is like, who is this? <laughs> I knew, I knew they had hired the wrong Patrick Stewart by mistake, but I didn't know the story behind it. So, Patrick Stewart ended up being in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I guess first of all, 
I mean, I kind of know the answer because you've been laughing for the last like two hours. But did you have fun watching this movie? Yes. I mean, yes, I did. Because <laughs> I was going to say, do you think this is a good movie? I feel like answering that is a complicate. That's a complicated <laughs> answer to give. I mean, I mean, it's a it's movie. A fun, it's a movie. It's a fun time. It's it. Yes, this is. It's a I mean, terrible movie. Yeah, I mean, it's... and again, like I'm struck by how much. Like, oh, this is basically they basically just took this right out of the book. Cool, uh -huh. and like I mean, I mean, I wasn't really ex expecting much of that, so I was, but. Okay, before we dive into what's good, let it, let's talk about the biggest change from the book that they did make, which is the weirding modules, which is like the most controversial choice in Dune fandom. And I'm not a big part of Dune fandom because it gets a little white supremacist really fast if you're not careful. Ugh. Yeah, white supremacist did not get the this is a bad thing message that goes down. But not important. Fuck those guys. <laughs> um... David Lynch talked about he didn't want to do in the, in the books, the weirding way is a martial arts. And he's like, I don't want to do that because then I'll just be Kung Fu on the sands. Cause apparently he hates the idea of an unlimited money pit. Okay. Okay. Kung Fu being the David Carradine designed by Bruce Lee, like really popular TV show from that's what late seventies. Yeah. 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 The reason why he's Bill and kill Bill. Yeah. So I guess, what did you think of the sound guns? Um, no. No? Okay, I no. mean, <laughs> like, I would definitely put this under that, this is fun, this is not good. It's, it's so weird for me to read the books because I saw... <sighs> The movie before I ever read the books, and I saw this movie. Like, this was where I first experienced Dune at 14. So I have to remind myself, whenever they're talking about the weirding ways, that it's not strange sound guns. <laughs> we mentioned uh, some of the troubles with production, like, right before this all started. Uh -huh. I would also just to like to elaborate a little bit Please, of what I don't happened. actually know much about this other than it was just a clusterfuck, so... Okay, so this is another one of those movies, kind of like Watchmen, where they were actually trying to make it for about 15 years before it finally got done. Mm -hmm. Okay. The film rights were actually optioned just a few years after the book came out, and this guy just sort of sat on them, on them for a while, <laughs> not actually wanting to make a movie, but just wanting to, like, resell them to somebody who did want to make a movie. <laughs> okay. And then, okay. But then he ended up dying, like, I don't know, like 1969, 1970, somewhere right around there. Oh, so not long after the Dune, like, yeah. Because um, Dune came out in 65, I think. It so, might have been a little bit later than that, but he was definitely dead by the time 1975 rolled around, which is when Yodorovsky picked up uh, the rights for $100,000. He had backing from some French producers uh, he invested like $2 million into the movie, managed to write a script that would have been a version somewhere between 10 and 20 hours. Oh, so my six to nine was like woefully understating mm -hmm. it. Like, like I said, included Dolly. Uh, Mick Jagger was going to play Fade Routha. That's almost better than Sting. Every planet was going to have music by like a different band. Like Pink Floyd was doing a lot of music. Insane. But 
it ended up running out of money and like it was <laughs> really nobody actually like wanted to continue back like financially backing a, a 10 to 20 hour movie <laughs> with Mick Jagger as one of your main antagonists. <laughs> did they ever cast a Paul for that? Do you know? Or, Oh, I think they did, but I would have to rewatch the documentary. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, there was, I mean, there was a lot like a lot was done on it. Like a, he invested two million dollars into mm. the production. So yeah, yeah, you'll get yeah, you'll get so you'll get there, somewhere with two. Million. And I believe one of the books that he made to like sell the movie, which are these giant volumes that there's only a few of them in, in existence, actually just sold at auction last weekend for thirty four million. I want to say, holy shit, fucking rich people, man. I might be off on that. It was thirty four something, even if it was thirty four thousand, like. That's still making me go fucking rich people, man. That's yeah. making a year. Yeah. Well, I find 34 million extremely believable. I um, do too. Yeah. So the rights revo- uh, reverted back to the producers that he was working with. They sat on it for a little bit. That's when Dino De Laurentiis and this, this version, they bought the rights from them for 2 million and tried to get Frank Herbert himself to write the script. And Herbert that didn't like, end, nah. that didn't end up working out. But I don't see Herbert being much of a script writer. Yeah. No. Uh, he did like this version. There was things about it he didn't like, but there's things about it everybody doesn't like. He, he like, also got paid good money to watch that. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, but he actually did, like, he signed off on it. He was the only one that did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they then tried to get the script written by Ridley Scott, who had just gotten done working on Alien, which... Like three of the four main people that worked on Alien met because they were working on Yodorowsky's Dune. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> including um, what's his name? Uh, uh, Geiger. Yep, Geiger, uh, Dan O'Bannon, um, few other people. Not Ridley Scott, funnily enough, but uh, Scott was on board for a bit. There were some giant blowups because his version of the script with his fellow writer made Frank Herbert yell because he wanted Paul to be the one to impregnate Jessica with Alia. You. What you? Ridley. <gasps> you. However, also imagine losing the job to make the Dune script because you wanted incest, more incest in it. Well, that it looked like they were getting over that and like they might actually start going into production and then Ridley Scott's brother died. Ugh. okay. That actually does suck. That's. And so he like dropped out for a little bit and then didn't do anything until Blade Runner, which was another extremely troubled classic of the eighties. <laughs> That's when they got David Lynch. All of that has its own drama. He wanted to cast a bunch of different people that they didn't let him cast. Um, <laughs> Like, a little bit into being signed on to it, he kind of realized that he was not going to have final say on it and went through it doing the best he could. Uh, he His rough cut is four hours, which he intended to cut down to a three-hour version. It's not supposed to be four hours, but he got four hours worth of footage in a big rough cut, supposed to be three. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. I believe him and the editor both took their names off the project because <laughs> the final cut was basically in the hands of the producers who took that three hour cut and turned it into a two hour cut. 
Yeah, I think which is what we watched. Okay. Two eighteen total. I looked up, and I assume that includes credits, so more like <clears throat> two ten. But like thing, like they went seven million dollars over budget. Where they Back were, when seven million was a bunch of movie, money. they were shooting in a portion of Mexico that was like dealing with severe brownouts. Like every European member of the cast was having to deal with Montezuma's revenge. Um, Princess Irulan, like in some of those scenes, is like sitting on a fucking like stool to keep her upright underneath that dress. Holy shit! <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Oh no. Oh, boy. Okay. Okay. So there we go. Okay. There's a little bit for you. <laughs> and it makes the movie just that much more fun in its own way. Oh my god. And they're like, this is gonna be the next great science fiction film. And meanwhile, Arulan is so shattered out from shitting herself so much that she's on a chair. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. Oh, and here, uh, just a couple other things, though. Yeah. Uh, people that they also almost cast. Val Kilmer was almost cast as Paul. So, Chris, I mean... Christopher Reeve also auditioned for Paul. For some reason, I thought it was Paul Newman, but no, that makes sense, Christopher Reeve. Christopher and, Reeve played Superman, and Paul Newman played Batman in Batman Forever, and uh, fucking um, gun guy. Uh, Val Kilmer, no, Val, Paul Newman. No, Val Kilmer... <laughs> Tombstone, Doc yeah. Holliday, Jesus yeah. Christ, my brain today. <laughs> uh, Rob Lowe was also on the short list. Was this during Rob? Rob Lowe was still on a lot of coke back then, yeah? Yeah. Okay, so that would have worked. Rob Lowe was the, like, super happy boss on Parks and Rec, if you ever saw that. Okay. okay. He was also really big in the early 80s, but he had a huge cocaine problem, and he... Uh, Slept with a 16-year-old, and it came out while he was on a wild coke bender. I am not trying to forgive that action, but it was definitely... He was like, well, that... Hmm. No more cocaine for me. Uh, Jack Nicholson was considered for Gurney Halleck. And actually... I actually would have liked that. And he also almost directed a version of it back when the rights were just sort of being sat on right before Yodorowsky's version went into production. I would not have liked that. <laughs> Uh, Glenn Close turned down the role of Lady Jessica. Uh, Helena, Helena Bonham Carter was cast as Princess Irulan, but had scheduling conflicts with A Room with a View. How old is Helena Bonham Carter? Not that important. Okay, I just, for some reason, I didn't think she was, like, old enough to play someone of marriageable age in 1984. Uh, John Hurt was offered the part of Dr. Yue. Oh, I would have loved that. It would have made me like you. Actually, no. This guy played the perfect whiny little bitch. <laughs> UA. Hurt would have actually given him like pathos and believability. And I don't know if I could handle that. <laughs> oh, and after Helena Bonham Carter was like had to back out of being Irulan, a ton of people were fucking considered. Kim Basinger, Melanie Griffith, Jodie Foster, Bridget Fonda, Jennifer Jason Lee, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, Sarah Jessica Parker, Tatum O'Neill, and Brooke Shields. That's a whole big name of 80s right there. Okay, so I've been dying to figure this out. You said you had a The Best Delivered line. I didn't say I had a The Best. At some point, it warped into that as we were watching it. But, <laughs> but like, I have maybe, like, a top three favorite. Like, when you were talking, like, 
what, whatever okay. the the mood and love play. Top top couple then, yeah. <laughs> well, like I um, I will kill him. Just fucking anything to do with Sting in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> the the Usul is called a big one. The legend <laughs> continues or whatever. Again. It is the legend. Yeah, again, it is the legend. <laughs> That's what it was. With um, the awkwardly long pause between again and it. But then the, the sleeper must awaken. Fair enough. I'll give you that. And especially just because the, the accompanying hand imagery, like I had a connection with before realizing it was from this movie, because oh. System of a Down used that as the cover art for their first album. Was that Toxicity or is it self No, it's the self-titled, okay. yeah. And huh. like when you open up like the liner notes, it's like the sleeper must awaken. And I was just like, oh, well, I mean, system of down and like super politically active and like, okay, I get it. And then like, oh my God, that's so, so oh, fucking they're just good. Giant fucking okay. Nerds. <laughs> okay. Let's see. I'm trying oh, to and an honorable runner up anything. Uh, Aaliyah says <laughs> she's kind of my MVP in this watch through. Like, Every time I watch this, there's different things I focus on. My three ones on this one. One, the pug. I don't know why I was so fascinated <laughs> by the pug. Two, the random... They give him a name, but I don't think they ever say it in the movie. Harkonnen, like, general that has to, like, hang out with all of the, like, Baron and his family and do, like... Well, he's flying around in circles. I guess I'll, like, do nails and a chalkboard noise? Like, um... <laughs> This is my life. <laughs> and fucking Alia of the Knife. Also, I think my favorite thing during this was just looking over at Will whenever the Harkonnens were on screen. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> this is why I say that in the most recent movie, Baron Harkonnen was drastically underdone. And I recognize that you cannot okay. choose scenery the same way that this guy does. He's not even chewing. He's humping the scenery at this point. Like, um, we'll point out to me in this. This movie is so fucking horny. There was horny. so much horny energy throughout this entire fucking movie. I just want to spit on your face. Just just a little spittle. That's your daughter. I know it doesn't come up in any of the movies, but that's your daughter. Lovely fade. Lovely. Meanwhile, Sting is sitting there with, like, a giant plastic triangle on his dong. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Dude, the first one where him and Raban are just sitting there while while fucking the Baron's doing his shit. Stig is just like jacking off his knife the entire time. He's jacking off his knife, and they both are wearing cod pieces. And Raban's is flaccid as fuck, and Stings is like, "I could stab you to death with this." <laughs> it's the fucking cod piece from Metalocalypse. Like, it's... they can't see it. Please stop doing that. Just... Nope. Okay. <laughs> um... <laughs> Also, the choice to make the Harkonnens ginger, I don't... I will never unsee them as that. Anytime they're not ginger, it looks wrong to me. <laughs> Which is interesting how even bad movies can like permanently change your perception of fiction. Yeah. I mean, when I read the book, I see the this version yeah. of... Um, what, what's her... Gaius Monham. Oh, yeah. Mm. Mm -hmm. uh, Helen Gaius Monham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Helen Guy's bottom. Yeah. She's so good. I really love the look of the Benny. The, the Benny Jesuit look more like psychic space nuns in this one. <laughs> yeah. And maybe it's just from this movie that I think psychic space nuns need to be fucking bald. But like, <laughs> I mean, 
it it really nailed that mysticism side of things, I think. Lynch is a good choice for that one. Okay, so uh, you know, let's talk about this. What did they do right in this movie? Because it'd be so easy to be like, this movie fucking is awful and it's great. But no, like... I mean, other than the weirding module, this movie is stupid accurate for being only two hours long. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean... It's not compelling as an adaptation, but it's very loyal. Except for the parts where they decided to drift way off into... <laughs> way off into <laughs> guild navigators feet. showing up in the first five minutes. Six obviously. books will never show you a guild navigator. I, first five minutes. Look! I did find how they decided to play that... Like, the, choosing the Emperor for their first... I, I, mm. I don't know why that st- stood out to me as much as it did, but making the Emperor be the first scene and then having that be the, oh, hey, there's going to be a bunch of backstabbing stuff happening here... And have and having that be how it was structured, I I don't I found that I found that interesting. It's probably why I'm as fond of the Padishah Emperor as I am. Like, and mm-hmm. when you and I were trying to do a podcast, when we realized we couldn't do Pod Emperor of Dune because someone else was already doing that, we looked at the Padishah podcast just because. Yeah. And if we ever get to do a Dune podcast, mm-hmm. that's what we're gonna call it. <laughs> Partly because I'm just really in love with the Padishah Emperor, and I don't know why, because he's just a weird, shitty little guy. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, mean, I just like yeah, well, that and uh, fucking something Carino the 14th. Like, he's just got good names. <laughs> yeah, no, and I think I think they had a really good look for him in this in this one. Uh, one of the things that I noticed a lot, especially up to the, you know, midpoint when um, when Paul joins the Fremens, the. 80s, oh yes, everyone is wearing a military is wearing a military uniform at all times. I'm not sure how I felt about that for the Atreides, but for the Emperor, I felt that was okay, no, this feels appropriate. It's got a very like Russian czar feel to it. Yeah, like yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I, I think they do a good job with the feudal of the look. I like the emperor's like uniform style, mm-hmm. uniform and stuff. Honestly, overall, I think costuming remains super fucking good in this. Even they're like, I'm not sure why you made this choice kind of choices. Like the Baron having specially designed diseases and boils and Jesus Christ, that's a thing to look at in the high D, uh, high definition televisions there were moments where i was almost like i'm just not gonna look while this is zoomed in like <laughs> it's not, this i'd it's rather not, a, not let me tell this. you when you're watching it on vhs on an old tv it is not nearly as like oh they put a lot of time into those boils <laughs> oh, god i wish they hadn't <laughs> i i really wish i would have wrote it down when i got to it there is one sentence in the book where if you like strained really, really hard and like locked yourself in a room for an entire weekend, <laughs> and trying, spice, like. trying to extrapolate that one sentence, you could kind of get to like the Baron having boils. I mean, he is described as like a disgusting fat man a couple well, of times, but like, yeah, yeah but no, I guess yeah. having a, having a doctor like curating his boils, Yes, but, <laughs> you, but you have to really stretch. I remember like coming across it and being like, Oh wait, that's, Weirdly reminiscent of your that's skin not. love to me. Your diseases so good. speak to me. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, man. Your nephews are right there, and Raban is already looking like he's about to have a heart attack. 
<laughs> yeah, but the Sting's already jaying off. Oh, so. yeah, no, Sting is into it. Fine, whatever. <laughs> <sighs> Just think about, okay, so all everyone else, all the other families have that, like, feudal military kind of, like, early modern period, you know, Revolutionary mm-hmm. War era, roughly. And then, like, Imagine some big fucking ball between, like, the Lancerad, which is the various ducal families, the Emperor, and then in come the fucking Harkonnens with, like, (laughs) the Baron floating around with his, like, genetically made diseases and just covered in the finest crude oil. (laughs) Sting openly masturbating and Raban, like, covered in blood because he's just nibbling on somebody's ear. Ooh, about that. What, the cow part? They used real frozen cow meat in that scene. Oh, he was just Jesus. chewing on, like, a f- raw frozen cow. Oh, that's oh. disgusting. Oh. Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> I was going to say, either that or he's drinking the world's most disgusting Capri Sun. <laughs> Every time. I'm just... There are some characters that if you put them up against their modern incarnation, I'm like, okay, I don't necessarily think you'd win in a fight, but, like, you give them a fight. Like, either version of Gurney I feel pretty good having at my side. But, like, put Raban up against... Dave Batista. Dave Batista. (laughs) And, like... Dave Batista has more muscles in one arm than that dude has in his entire body. And I'm not judging because Dave Batista has more muscles in one arm than I have in my entire body. But I am not the beast Raban. Was it was it one of Raban's scenes when I was like, oh, he kind of looks like the Packleds? Yes. Yeah. Who are a major villain in Lower Decks, and you super have to watch Lower Decks. But I'm uh, so glad that they bring them back for Lower Decks. For the I'm first also time so, since I'm, that mo- well, they do get they do get mentioned because yeah, but they never have stories. I mean, not imp- we're on, sorry. We'll talk <laughs> yeah. about this afterwards. That's, that's not doing that Star Trek. But I bring this up because it's, it's such a dumpy look, and it's just like, oh yes, yes, this is. We are not smart. No, you're not, Raban. It's okay though. <laughs> no wonder the Emperor's pissed that you're in charge of this. Um, let's see what else did they do well. Um, oh, the sandworms. Yeah, sandworms. Are I, yeah, no, I. I was prepared to not be impressed with the worms, but I, I actually was. It shows its age. Like, there's no getting around. Mm. It is clearly a model from 1984. I mean, the entire fucking movie shows its age. But. <laughs> yeah, again, 1984, man. Um, but I actually like the, the three-pronged mouth of the sandworms, mm-hmm. which I don't think is in the original book specifically no, I don't think it really I don't think so. I, uh, they, they talk about the rows and rows of teeth which they yeah, do a but little bit really here, talk but about, like, yeah didn't really talk about the mouth bits the the three bit mouth munch uh, uh, beak almost mm-hmm. yes fucking beak, defining beak. for sandworms for me like that's how I mm-hmm. since the new movies come out they've updated a little bit in my brain but a large part of them still goes back to this I just kind of imagine this but with like modern day graphics in my head well, I'm, for me, I when it comes to sandworms, I tend to go back to Tremors, which liberally borrowed from this version of sandworms. They were so. like, man, the three fucking beak thing was cool. Let's do a whole movie about <laughs> that. And we'll get Kevin Bacon. <laughs> also, that movie fucking kicks ass. It so. does kind of slap, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, the sandworms are awesome. They're slow, but... Yeah, uh, I mean, that's... But that's more technology of the time than... Go fucking watch Wrath of Khan. It's a great fucking movie, but that starship battle scene is the slowest fight uh, scene in the history of cinema. The entire scene is pulling teeth. 
It's great though. It, it gets that mm. sense of discomfort really well. But yeah, yeah. Uh, wait, I, I feel like we almost didn't talk enough about the Guild Navigator, especially when talking about the horny energy of this movie. So the scrotum with a vagina mouth, <laughs> <laughs> holds space but from X. A three pronged, uh, worm like vagina mouth. Yes. So like, <laughs> I just imagined him for whatever reason, probably because we're just. Like, it's just within the last couple of days that I realized how close this was to Return of the Jedi, like, mm-hmm. directly. Just imagined him, like, going into Jabba's palace to have, like, <laughs> the worm Brunch. versus the worm fight. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we have come here from X. Boshuda. Feed him to my rancor. Yeah, really add the horny energies to have the job with the tongue going on. Um, let's just make sure that no one ever wants to have sex again. Um, okay, yeah. I just had to bring up the fact that it's a giant fucking testicle. With a vagina mouth, yeah. And really bloodshot eyes. Uh, I actually really like the design. But it is weird that they go from like, no, we're not going to... I feel like they just... We're hoping they would one day get to God Emperor and wanted to give, like, beginning. You know, my latest go-through, I did realize there's a scene where Paul in his visions sees a guild navigator, but it's not described. Yeah, that's right. That's fair. He goes, oh, a guild navigator. Oh, maybe I could become one of those. Nah, that'd be a waste of my powers. (laughs) Fuck, that'd be useless for me, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, (laughs) Okay. What is the horniest part of this movie? If we're going to talk Sting? about how horny... <laughs> I've got two answers. Sting in but the codpiece. But it really piece. is Sting in the codpiece. Full plastic. Well, this might be an odd question for you, but... Uh... Just this. Sting doing this. <laughs> no, it's when he goes to the full hands on the hips. And he's given the, like... that. I can't replicate yeah. that smile. I don't know how to describe that smile. I mean... It's Pretty like unhinged. Jaw I mean, rolling and I. I mean, watching watching that bit there. I mean, we were already kind of joking about how he was like how he was probably high off his ass for most of this movie, and it just that bit like he just he, he just looks like they just they go be proud, and he <laughs> went and snorted a bunch of cocaine and then did that. Yeah. If we're going to continue that, I'm going to say they weren't expecting him in the cod piece, that he just, like, they're like, all right, and then Sting will walk out through this, and he's like, I know how to do this better. (laughs) Um, The only, I think, runner-up to that, and this is something that is a kind of first-time experience here, was how fucking horny I was for Lady Jessica through this entire (laughs) watch-through, and I'm not sure why, because that's, like, I've always been like, she's gorgeous, like, she's a very beautiful woman, and this entire movie, I was like, fucking rocket lady J. <laughs> okay i so this this is some of the concept art for what fade was supposed to wear as mick jagger in yodorowsky's dune can we try to remember to link this in the comments of this episode or something like worst case scenario just google it but damn so i take back <laughs> Wow, they just go full oh rainbow boy. for the oh boy. Harkonnens in this version. Yep. Just wanted to throw that out at you guys since we were just... <laughs> Mobius, you've done it again. It is, for those seeing, full just like fetish bondage gear with no mask and then giant, almost like rainbowy feather shoulder pads. 
okay, okay, can we, okay, but you mentioned bondage. Can we talk about the part where, oh, yes, you have to go, you have to go <laughs> drink worm juice now. We're just gonna, we're just gonna make this entire thing have just, it, I, I felt that scene, like, that was the scene that made me really go like, oh. Oh, where they're tying him oh, up and stuff? Yeah, I like, think it's because you, like thrash uncontrollably as you drink pure unfiltered heroin <laughs> but um, this is a movie where you can really tell that cocaine was the drug of choice of the 80s because <laughs> in the 60s when dune was written and it's got a bit of it still there's such an acid feel to the book when it comes to taking the drugs but there's some serious cocaine energy mixed in here yeah do you think they all have the same... Do you think his bros all have the same... Like, tap into that same horny energy? You, I don't know. You mean, like, the, the Fedekin? Like, his, like, people that followed him yeah, around and watched yeah, him trip? I just... I don't think they have the same level of horny energy. They're not the Kwisak Haderach. I've never thought about it before, but the Dune porn parody has to be absolutely buckwild. <laughs> I don't want to watch it, but okay. I'm sure. Usul's called a big one. This is going to. Okay. This is, this is, is the do not Google that. <laughs> no, no, no. No, see, here's the problem. Did you Google that? No, no, here, no, no, no. So. The Dune porn parody is buckwild. The God Emperor of Dune porn parody. No, we're done. Finishing with that. No, I was going to bring up the uh, sandworm sex toy that I have seen. Oh, yeah, I've seen those before. Yeah. He's, okay. <laughs> this is a very horny episode of this podcast, <laughs> thanks to how horny this movie is. I don't want to kink shame anybody. As a rule, as long as you're safe, happy, and consensual, have fun with it. But dildos shaped like people or monsters or whatever <laughs> confuse me. <laughs> Not like, how dare you? I just don't understand. That's fair. And we should probably not, not continue this line of conversation. <laughs> but I just, if you fucking Google that sex toy, I'm going to be very unhappy with you, young man. <laughs> <laughs> Would it make you feel better if I told you that they named it the Lido? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> well, his son is... It does have the teeth. Both you. <laughs> no, you're welcome. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I broke that. Uh... His son, okay, his dad is Leto, the son that was not mentioned at all in this one and will probably not be mentioned in the next one, is Leto Jr., or I guess Leto the Second. Yeah, there's Leto the Second that dies, and then there's a Leto the Second that... No, not Leto the Second, there's not a second Leto the Second, oh, it's yeah. Leto 2. Right, <laughs> Leto 2. Literally, two. it is Leto 2. Because for a long time, I was like, oh, yeah, Leto II, God Emperor of Arrakis, I, I, I know what they're talking about. I'm like, wait, but that Leto died. No, not Leto the second. Leto. I'm like, Frank, I'm still mad at more mad at you for the homophobia that is like omnipresent through your series. But um, this is a high up there on like bad choices that I am unhappy with. Oh, Leto, too. <laughs> you haven't even read the book, man. It's <laughs> it's a trip and a half. Just beefs. before he becomes the half emperor or the half sandworm thing in Children of Dune. Like, a bunch of baby sandworms that are, like, kind of almost minnow forms form up on his body and make, like, a fucking Giver armor? Oh, yeah. Oh, I know these things. I, Part of the Siege Posting group. I love Dune so much, <laughs> and it's so bad. But uh, bringing Fade and Raban is a huge fucking thing in the Siege Posting group. 
by far is like one of the longest running memes. It's fucking ridiculous. Okay. Let's see. Who do we, uh, we haven't talked about the Duke yet. I thought the Duke did. I mean, he's not Oscar Isaac, but no, but he's Jurgen Prock now from Das Boot. Like fucking kills it. He does a great <laughs> job as and I mentioned this to you while we, record, uh, while we were watching it. I don't know if my brain is just like, he has an accent. Obviously he must be royalty, <laughs> but in some levels he pulled off like, old school royalty better than Oscar Isaac did to me. Mm. I think Oscar Isaac pulled off Duke Leto better to me, but like, yeah, I, yeah, I see that. Oscar Isaac still looks young though. And Duke and this guy looked like 60, which his son was clearly like 35. So that's okay. But I like my chances against this Duncan Idaho. Oh Yeah. (laughs) Look, he had one technique, and that was to jump at you. Yeah, he, he fucking cross-bodied those Sardaukar. I mean, he was wearing a shield. I don't know how that works, but it probably doesn't feel great. He's just, from the top rope. <laughs> <laughs> yes, okay, so we've talked about ones that would lose against. We'll add Duncan to that. Uh, I like this Thufir Hawat better. He has more to do, so that's part mm, of it. Yeah. There's a cut scene where Thufir comes back. And he's been forced to work for the Harkonnens because of the weird cat milking thing. <laughs> Why the cat? We, we'll get to this in a second. Oh, All but, I see is an Atreides I, I want, want to kill. kill. Okay, we'll get to it now. That is the fucking weirdest scene in this movie. But there is a cut movie scene where when they pull everyone in and they're like, I've captured you, Emperor of uh, Padishah Emperor. Thufir is in that group being like, Paul, I thought you were dead. They fucked with me so bad, bud. It's been a real bad time. And Paul's like, you know what? That's fair. You have had it worse than anyone fucking else. If you want to kill me, I'll just let you do it. You've earned that right from me, Gurney. And instead, Gurney rips out the heart implant, which is, I believe, Thufir. Thufir rips out the heart implant, which I believe is unique to this movie as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We want to kill the Harkonnen super easily. Boop. Um, and just make for the most disgusting way to kill your boy slaves. And he's like, for the pot and for Paul Atreides. Boop. And you're like, oh, Thufir, you could have just not done that and been really helpful. Well, it's funny because if you're paying attention, he's like, he's in that scene. And then oh, suddenly yeah, no, he's, he's not just, in that scene. Well, well, and it's <laughs> for the bit where he is in there. He's just kind of. Looking up, just, I love what you've done with the corners of the ceiling, man. Looks looks great. If if literally what keeps you alive every day is milking a hairless cat. With a a mouse, like, taped to it. (laughs) Then I think you, we lost him. We lost him. Then I think you just develop the ability to, like, not be here anymore as a general rule. I'll be honest, I'm someone that will fight for life in pretty much every instance of, like, I want to live. But I think if the Baron was like, you have to do this, this is my own little torture, I'd be like, I'm good, man. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't want to work for you in the first place, you're making this real fucking easy. Like, (laughs) Like, this sucks. (laughs) This is real bad. This Duke is so over the top in every scene. Him just like spinning around in circles, shrieking, <laughs> and like four different occurrences. He's Not having just... he's having so much fun. Everyone else is just like, I've got 
things to do, and he's just having a good time. <laughs> we see Paul eat like a literal pencil made out of spice, and he's like, I'm tripping out. What is the Baron's intake like if he's doing that? <laughs> Oh, he don't need spice. He's just like that. <laughs> One of those people that's like, you should probably never drink caffeine. <laughs> yeah. No, that's just that's just how the Harkonnens be. <laughs> I mean, look at Fade. That's true. <laughs> and not to put in an unintentional pun here, and I'm already mad that I realized it, but like the the bit kind of where all of the Fremen are always kind of low-key faded. <laughs> and drugged out, and then Paul comes in being like, I must have all of it now, yes. And they're like, all right, dude, we'll follow you, whatever. Like, um, <laughs> but you need to calm the fuck down. Yo, all that spice in the air definitely, like, explains Stilgar's speaking rhythms. <laughs> I will take the boy child. <laughs> you are worth your weight in water. Also- <laughs> I loved you guys pointing out just like they throw the sons of Usul in there. No explanation. There's like all these adult Fremen and then just two waist high children just standing there in still suits like at attention. Let me see if I remember this right. The sons of Usul were the kids of the guy he stabs in the, or kills yeah, at yes. the end of the yeah. most recent movie. Because he's responsible for them after he kills Jameis. Mm-hmm. He also, so get, he also gets a wife out of it. Yeah, yeah, but nothing ever really goes down on that front. No. Because he's like, look at Chani, <laughs> who I forgot was the daughter of Kynes, and for some reason I thought was the daughter of Stilgar, mm. uh, which is not remotely correct. But yeah, I'm a little pissed that they introduced the little kids for that and then completely abandoned, like, all right, kids, you have to learn how to murder, but no, you can't ride sandworms. Come back when you're 21. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, like, mounting the sandworm was pretty dope. That scene holds up pretty good. Yeah. Like, I mean, the effects were cheesy, but, like, it was ripping up the the plate or, you know, the ring or whatever. Yeah, so and it's that, got like, that noise and yeah. gross. And... I found that, like, thinking about that, like, I was looking at that tool when it came up. Because mm-hmm. I mean, you know, in the new movie, oh, it looks weird as shit when it pops up, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, when it's yeah, before you just like you're sitting there, what, what, what is this? That's a and bad shovel, Stilgar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to shuffle anything. You're already like working against yourself. This is sand, man. Yeah, and like, I'm gonna have to actually, uh, I'm gonna have to watch the new movie again and kind of actually think a bit about whether I prefer the new like ice pick looking things or because I felt. The this one felt very fitting. The mm-hmm. ice pick things look, in some level, more practical because, like, oh, you can just carry them with you, which is what yeah. they do sometimes. This one looks more like it would actually work on the scale that the sandworms are supposed to be. Yes. Yeah. Well, on top of on top of that, like, with the little sandworm ice picks, I like. I mean, the book tells us about how it's like, oh, yeah, the way we keep them from going back under is we make it so that it's going to be so uncomfortable if they get any sand in there. And yeah, open fucking wound. Yeah. Like, and like, I don't see that happening or at least not happening anywhere near as easily with like these ice picks look a lot more like the this is how I'm staying on top of you as opposed to the this is how I'm like keeping I'm, you, keeping you up. And then I'm going to use something entirely different to stay on top. I'm trying to think. I think I figured out. Even when I was a kid, because they don't explain it in the movie, really, like, directly, that, like, oh, he's got those open so he can, like, 
keep the sandworm from turning and uses them to like to turn steer. Yeah, to steer. Okay. And I, I'm surprised watching that now that I just kind of caught that intrinsically mm. because they don't say a fucking thing about it. But again, this movie already has so much narration. If Rulan, just imagine if in the middle of that Rulan was like, Paul puts in the thingy so the sandworm will not turn, crushing them all. And then Aaliyah joins in. <laughs> and then comes back, I forgot to tell you, go to bed, young lady. <laughs> I forgot lady. to tell you. <laughs> um, uh, who I forgot about, because she's not very... Mm, Virginia Madsen. In the book, she's both incredibly important and not at all important. Yeah, because at the mean, beginning of each chapter, every little quote is from the writings of the Princess Arulan. But in the story itself, she shows up, I think, physically less in the book than she does in this movie. Yeah. 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 There's like there's like a single chapter in the middle where she shows up and like only for like a little bit. And then she marries. And then, him yeah, the marrying Paul. Mm-hmm. And we don't yeah. even see the marriage. We just see him be like, I'm going to cool, marry that happened. one. <laughs> I'm I'm going to marry that one to make it look like the Emperor's Succession. But fuck that bitch. What do you think, Johnny? And they were ruling being like, dude. <laughs> I always felt bad for her. Like she seems like she was a capable person. She doesn't seem like she's like a bad person. She yeah, sides, yeah. if I remember right, she sides with Paul. Mm. Like over the objections of the Emperor a little bit. Although yeah, I no, be... she she yeah, she very much seemed as like no, let's but, do this. Yeah, like she, she has, she. Ha- I felt like she really has her head on and is like, you know, hey, that that is literal. That makes sense, and also is literally the only winning move here. And honestly, I think I think that the answer is unlike Ridley Scott's version of Paul. Paul wasn't actually feeling those Oedipal vibes and didn't want to get with the Bene Gesserit like his mom. Fair, although Johnny becomes, I believe, some. Oh level. yeah, yeah, she's not nearly in the same thing. No. Because who doesn't trip nuts on spice on Arrakis? Well, and if I remember in the book, there's kind of some indication that if the Emperor hadn't been a douchebag and had been like, hey, Leto, I don't have a successor. Let's marry our two families. You're super popular. I'm the Emperor. I'll be the Emperor for the rest of my life. But like, your son will be the next one. Mm -hmm. The Empire could have almost gone through a new golden age. Mm. But instead, he was a dick bag. <laughs> yeah. Along with everyone else in that book, including but not limited to Leto, who well, is the least dickish. But and the Bene Gesserit uh, assured that he never had heirs because they didn't want the power going through him anymore. Mm-hmm. Bene Gesserit made sure he never had heirs, even though again, Irulan is right there and clearly super capable. Mm-hmm. Sexism. Of course, their plan was supposed to be Lady Paul, who marries Fade Rutha, which, especially now, like, just imagine what being married to him would be like. Every moment of that man's existence. He's another one where I'm supposed to imagine a 15-year-old in a couple of scenes, and I just see Sting, and I'm like, well, that doesn't work. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It is another one of those things where they never establish what age they're supposed to be in this. You only know that from the yeah, original, they, but... But there's also, like, watching over, being like, sleep well, my son. I'm like, get out of his room. <laughs> yes, this is weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's one thing when they're, like, 10. I understand that, but, like... <laughs> when he's 25. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think, I think he was 
about 25 filming this. Uh, I'm not sure, but he's somewhere looks, around there in mid twenties. It yeah, it's kind of like uh, Tom Welling in Smallville, where they're like, he's a freshman in high school, and you're like, like no, he fucking not. is not. <laughs> no, he is not. God, I love this movie. Oh yeah, it's like Batman Forever. I'm gonna be riding the high of this movie for like another day or two. <laughs> Will have has any more just like thoughts coalesced for you? Because I know like it can be a lot to sort of think of things to talk I mean, about coming right off of an experience like this. Y- but. I mean. Yeah, yeah, no, you were not wrong there. Good God. Um, uh, I've already forgotten what it was that Zach was saying, but I, I, it was when you were talking about how, you know, they packed so much into into this into this oh, movie. Um, I mean, they, uh, it, they do a really good job of telling everything, but they don't do a very compelling job of yeah, telling yeah, yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because, like, um, I mean, I, I think I said on our June 2021 episode that I went to go see it with my mom, who hasn't, she who hadn't read the book yet. She has finished it uh, since, but mm-hmm. and you know there was stuff that she had like mm-hmm. no idea what you know what's going on here. What does this have to do with anything? And I was surprised by how they kind of kind of managed to hit so many of the in universe. Hey, here's this. Here's a thing that's in universe of this, and here's what that is, and fairly fairly naturally and fluidly get that into the dialogue. I mean, it didn't, it, like you said, it's like it wasn't necessarily compelling, but it didn't, it didn't feel like it broke the flow mm, over mm-hmm. much, which I feel like usually if you're going to be giving exposition, like there's almost, you know, you can't do expedition exposition without hurting the actual story. But I felt they didn't do terrible at well, that. It helps that they had some like, really strong visual cues for everything as well. Like, mm. the Mentats looked like Mentats. Yeah. They, you know, the the newest guy who played Thuvir, who did a pretty good job, but, like, kind of just looked like a dude. I think he had a weird thing on his lip or yeah. something. But, like, the Mentats look like low-budget uh, alien changes that they put in 80 sci-fi. Like, it's... You are not quite human. Right. Mm. Also, the, uh, the little Mentat thing... The, the little speech thing. That's another one of my favorite things. Yeah, the the something my mind in motion. Uh, by will alone do I set my mind in motion. By the juice of Sappho do my thoughts acquire speed. The lips acquire stains. The stains become a warning. By will alone do I set my mind in motion. Which was come up with by Brad Dorif. Oh, hell yeah. Good okay, I was Brad about Dorif. to ask if that ever, what if that was a thing that was, that I had like overlooked in the book or came up in a later one. <laughs> so much happens in the book. That'd be... No, Mentats honestly aren't nearly as important in the later books, which I think is a huge disappointment. Mm. But I did find uh, R.I.P. Dean Stockwell though, because he just passed like a month ago. That's through fear. Mm. Yeah. In the second book, Gurney ends up. No, that's U.A. Oh, sorry, U.A. Yeah. Who fucking is so good in I, that role? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this. I felt this U.A. At, I mean, well, he was actually in it. Yeah, he did stuff. <laughs> I mean, he mostly cried and like wouldn't acted. But as we talked about, well, that's that's the yeah, that's the character. You spent the, the character. entire book being like, show no reaction or they will know that you are trying to kill them all. And in this one, he's clearly like, I'm fine. <laughs> Everything's great. How are you? <laughs> Jessica. Did I mention my wife? Because I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> oh. oh, the, okay. The 
voiceovers for what they're thinking. Do you speak in whispers in your head? God. My son lives. He will know your motion, or he will know your actions as if they are his own. Whatever the fucking line is. Well, okay, I agree with you, but also, how would you do well, see, that and that's internally the, without see, like? And that's the thing. No, like I, it's it's a, I like I'm simultaneously I'm not like. It's annoying, but yeah, also. like I, I, I don't care for it, but I also think that it is critical as a tool for the movie. Like I, if you're going to do this in two hours, you have to have it. Mm-hmm. The yeah, only I mean, other option I can think of is maybe have it be slightly echoey instead. But like, if your hearing's not great, which mine isn't always, um, those can be difficult. Yeah, this was easier to understand than that. It was just really over the top. Wait for my brother. Yeah, she seemed to have actual telepathy with it because, like everyone else, no one could hear it when they were whispering. But wait for my brother, Baron. <laughs> well, and I, I mean, I think Give that girl I think Academy that's Award. I think it was telepathy in her case. I mean, the first the first scene of the the first scene of the movie, the emperor tells Reverend the Reverend Brother that he wants telepathy on this. That's true. Thing. Like she does so, have some level at least of with yeah, at least within this rendition of the universe. Mm-hmm. Oh, there absolutely one hundred percent is telepathy, and based on what we see of how things work, I mean. Yeah, no, look, she has it unquestionably. I do love how they just don't explain how how she comes to be there. They just cut over to this little four year old, and she just walks in. in. Okay, some of the some of the cuts from one scene to another were very like. Wait, what? Just why are they out now in the office? Yeah, though. Yeah, those hurt. Oh, okay. Can we talk about the part where Alia was just? There's a visual medium. You not I a visual know, medium. I know. You have I'm to, trying to figure out how the to like figure. full arms extended, uh, fucking heart clip in one hand and knife in the other, being like ah, yeah, like yeah. It wasn't even. It was uh, the Gamjabar in one it. hand. She is scarier than the Baron, and they have spent the whole movie making the Baron the most terrifying villain in science fiction made up to this point. And I think they and yeah, that's one of the things I think they did very well with this with this rendition is they like with the 2021 Baron is, I mean, he's creepy, but yeah, he's not, yeah, not much yeah, to well, yeah, there. he's, he's creepy and is like, you know, a little gross and like, okay, like, I'm I don't think an oil. Not I don't like want to take you know, a shower. And <laughs> like, I don't want to be anywhere near that guy. But then this one is like, I don't want to be anywhere near this guy. And he's going to find a way to make sure that, he is as close to me as possible because of that. I don't want to be <laughs> on the same kill planet me. as this guy. Yeah. Uh, last episode, I was saying Kyle McLaughlin for the Padishah Emperor, Alicia Witt for Fade Routh. <laughs> that was Aaliyah. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> 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 oh, man, she would have been. I don't know if she still acts or if she's actually any good as an adult, but put her as like Helen Mohiram. Mm. Helen Mohiram, guys. Oh, right. Uh, <laughs> Oh, that would have been so good. <laughs> I like, I mean, I le- I already said it once, but I legit like this Helen the a lot more than the Villeneuve. I, I, she actually comes across as like a creepy, badass mother superior. The, the other one doesn't as much. Yeah, no. And it, well, I think, I think this rendition help was, I feel like the context, we, we were given a few more contexts with her, 
we got to see her in 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 acting in her role as truth as truthsayer, and we're given we're, we were you know we were given that whole scene to establish character and capabilities. Um, I will say it might partially be because though she seems to actually fit in the environment really well. Like I don't think you could just pick up this one and put it in the Villeneuve. Dude. No, no, not at all. The stylization is completely wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just, I do like the Bene Gesserit better in this one. Mm-hmm. They feel more, not real because, but like, like a factor, like a part of the universe. Another thing, and it stuck out to me in that, in that early scene when she's talking to the other Bene Gesserit, like, okay, we got to go check out this Paul guy. And maybe, maybe I just, don't see enough 80s films, but I found myself looking at the extras a lot while watching this. That's always an interesting... Yeah, I mean, like, okay, here's Benny Gesserit extras. Their entire job consists of we are all standing, someone talks to us, and then that person leaves, and we all stay in the exact same spots we were standing at, Kind of not even like looking at each other. I think one of them turns around other. uncomfortably. Like. Yeah, like we just <laughs> are here, and like in like in the in the battle scenes, the especially I felt like I saw it a lot more in the Atreides versus Sardaukar fight. Mm. Just I don't. It felt like there was a lot of we are look at how busily we are going places while not actually looking like we're doing. Anything? Oh, think, no, I I think I heard Private Wilhelm bite it in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Wilhelm scream, yeah, I think part of it is we have just gotten better at like, here is how we immerse you in a sci-fi world. Yeah, no, and I think that because I mean, a thing I found myself thinking about when I was when I was watching, like, and I guess the unif- I guess the combination of how they carried themselves along with the unif- with the military uniforms. Um, oh dear lord, what classic is it? It made me think of an of a. I mean, it was like old enough. It's a black and white sci-fi film, Forbidden Planet. That's got the robot. I think I think it's Forbidden Planet, with that is the one where like Robbie the, the guy robot. well like the one guy's like it or whatever is what's killing off the dudes one by one or some shit. I haven't watched that movie since I was a little. Well, see, kid. I, I haven't watched it. Like I only know like I only know about it from the same fucking Twitter account that. Showed me the <laughs> the the what the dune that wasn't what its ships were gonna look like. See, it had a kind of Flash Gordon feel to me, but that same Flash Gordon movie came out not terribly long from this movie. That same Flash Gordon movie also had Max von Sydow. Same producers. That fucking tracks. That was their next attempt to make a Star Wars to compete, and just did not sick the landing. Or previous attempt, because Flash attempt, Gordon was, was 1980. 80? Okay, yeah. so yeah, this is a few years later. Like, we've learned our lesson. You didn't. <laughs> so in the second book, Gurney Halleck ends up as the... I don't think he officially marries Lady Jessica, but he basically becomes her concubine. Right. This Gurney, I believe that with. <laughs> not with... Uh, I don't believe it with Thanos. Not with Brolin? Uh... No, I also don't see Josh Brolin carrying a pug into battle. So you know what? <laughs> Advantage Patrick Stewart. I'm waiting to see if Brolin grows a fucking mullet. Or a skullet, as it would be. 
Patrick Stewart's so... defense, he wasn't trying as much. That's just kind of what happens when you have long hair and nothing on top. Yeah. It was so weird so seeing a him with hair. <laughs> it was so weird seeing him with hair. This is three years before Patrick Stewart becomes Jean-Luc Picard. This was the biggest thing he had been in. Not the best thing. He had been making great things, and he's had a long-storied theater production before this. But, like, this was the biggest thing he was in until, <laughs> honestly, until Best of Both Worlds made Star Trek, like, the most popular show in America. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's all I have to say about that, is it makes me happy to know that. <laughs> I'm a Patrick Stewart fanboy till I die, so. Uh, especially with... Uh, with as many little weird references Villeneuve made to this version of Dune, like the oil for the Baron. Mm-hmm. As soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, okay. Uh-huh. Like, and just fucking making the Baron fly that much rather than just like kinda bounce flirting. around on his toes, kind of. Though, yeah, no, I do have to agree with you, Zach, that no, he should, the new Baron should have been. A little bit more. <laughs> he, he's a bombastic villain, and every time we see him, the new one is not bombastic. He's creepy. I want more of him. I thought the actor did a good job. Mm-hmm. I just also want him to gnaw on some things. Like... Air fly around in circles. Swamp, yeah. Ah! <laughs> doing nothing but... Also, what he's but... flying around right there is Fade's fucking steam shower. Yep. <laughs> so... Which I, I think he was actually going to come out of completely naked. And they were like, nah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but like I'm so surprised Villeneuve did not find some way to like pay homage to the Atreides battle pugs. <laughs> yeah, there were a lot of dogs in this movie because so the Emperor had a bunch of bulldogs oh, too, which is again a very yeah there were there were like European bullshit feudal there court were like system. 10, 15 like, of them in that scene because there were two separate people walking those dogs. We were talking about how horny this movie is. There is one true romantic look given through this entire movie. And it's the bit where he's like, do we have worms sign? And the look that Stilgar and Gurney give each other before they go, Usul, we have worms sign. <laughs> like God himself has never seen. seen. That is a look of pure love between those two people before that. Okay, you saying that that was another thing that I'm unleashing really? so much fan fiction onto the internet just with that <laughs> sentence. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, it already exists. <laughs> <laughs> um, the way that religion was evoked, at least in word, I found extreme. Like, the new movie kind of just leaves all religion stuff out of it. The book. Which is a bummer in its own way. Yeah. Way, but. The book. You know, says, hey, there's this orange Catholic Bible, but in terms of the characters actually conducting themselves, like, it's not really a thing. And then, but then I I almost wanted to keep count of how, like, after I was like, oh, wait, this keeps coming up. I wanted Go to almost keep God, count. Stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, how many times it was, yeah, because I almost wanted to keep count of how many times it did it. Because I, and I, I don't know why that stuck, that stood out to me the way it does, but. It kind of, in some ways, traces back to 80s America, if you think about that's it. What I had, like, that's what I had to figure. It had to be a cultural thing. 60s America, like when this was written, 
I mean, religion obviously has always been a major part, but like the, it, uh, the breakaway from Christianity and, you know, counterculture was a bit wider. 80s America was an extremely Christian era of our society because we have the whole Reagan era for the last most of it. But even before that, we had fucking Jimmy Carter. Carter was, he's, he's the fucking that, priest, isn't he? Like he's... Is that the same time when the satanic panic for D&D was going on? A couple on years too? later, but couple yeah. Later. Or okay. right around this might be when the first steps are going. But okay. before mm-hmm. it gets as fucking gross as it does. And it gets fucking gross. Apparently some of those satanic panic people are still there, but now they just have like really sad YouTube channels. <laughs> huh. Where they don't even talk they don't even have the fun stuff. I say fun stuff, I mean the <laughs> terrible stuff, but like they're like Yeah. Satanist because their Satanist shit is so fucking tame compared to what like QAnon has come up with. So they can't compete anymore, but they still like don't want to give in, so they're like, America sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Jesus. See you next week. Please like and subscribe. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what to follow that way. I don't I don't think I really have anything else. Wadib. Mm, Wadib, Wadib. My name has become a killing word. My They're ready. That is the most on-the-nose version of that. Like, that is a line from the book. But it's, you know... They will kill in my name, not I almost got killed because someone said my name. (laughs) Into the weirding um, module. Imagine if he hadn't dodged in time and they were like, he's like, hey, Maudie, what's up? But (laughs) (gasps) okay. Guess he was not the quiz chatterer. So does that mean I'm in charge of the Fediakin or? You killed him. That makes you get the you get the general. The sons of Usul are now the sons of Bill. (laughs) Do like, we have to change the color? Every time. What color do we change our pauldrons to for you? Let's jump into some recommendations real quick before we fucking... <laughs> oh, God. Recommendation. My recommendation, because it's what I have been uh, playing for the past two days, because it's relaxing and yet not relaxing at the same time, <laughs> because my hand really hurts from just trying to do really, really well on the levels, is they finally made a uh, beautiful Katamari backwards compatible on the new Xboxes. It is the only Xbox exclusive in the Katamari series. And in my opinion, it's the best one. I believe it was the last one made, so it kind of takes all like the best parts of all the previous ones and puts them together. Still a dope soundtrack. You're still just rolling up random shit all around the world because... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Except like in this one, like when you, like when you find a cousin, you can actually play as the cousin. Ooh. Yeah. So like I've been uh, rolling around as Fujio. It's been great. Anyway. Yeah. So beautiful Katamari. Any of the Katamaris really. But like I've been playing beautiful Katamari. So that's my recommendation. Um, let's see. I am going to go with the Gail Simone run of the Birds of Prey. I've mentioned Gail Simone. She is one of my favorite authors in comic books. Uh, And she is known for weird, crazy, violent, and sexy. Honestly, all the things I like about this movie, but actually well done. Uh, And respectful sexy, too. It's not like... Mm. 
you know, she'll fucking do Birds of Prey, which is all about a bunch of, you know, lady super fight heroes and they'll be sexy as hell and all that stuff. And she's written Witchblade and Red Sonia and all sorts of stuff. But it's not a objectifying sexy. It's not a condescending sexy. She got her reputation by starting a, a web page called Women in Refrigerators that just kept track of women killed to advance the plot or characterization of male characters. So she came in fucking swinging for like... Good. Doing that in like 1996 too. Like that is like... She, she came in um, and the art is fucking great. Ed Benz, who became a huge person in DC a couple of years later, was on for that. Uh, Joe Bennett, who we actually have talked about from Immortal Hulk, mm-hmm. although his work was much closer to Benz at the time. Also, he's weird and kind of anti-Semitic and people don't want to work with him anymore. So, like, fuck that guy. But, admittedly, the art is still really good. And all the other creators are fucking great. Mm-hmm. So, I hate to mention that, but... Uh, whoops. But... It is, I mean, you've, if you've watched Birds of Prey, you get the basics. It's Batgirl. It is, or not Batgirl. It is Oracle. It is Huntress. And it is Black Canary kicking ass and taking names. And her first epi- issue, which also the series, they're like, the series is going to get canceled in like three issues, but that's fine. Whatever. Her run was so good. The movie got made. Speaking of which, don't currently go watch the movie on HBO Max because there's been some sort of technical error that they haven't clarified how this even happened yet. But the PG-13 edited down for TV version is the only version that's currently streaming. You know. Yeah. There's not even that much in that movie, but, like, keep it. Fucking weird. Will, you got anything? I know we forgot to warn you about this one. (laughs) Um... Uh, I'm going to go with the computer game Risk of Rain 2. My brother and I wrangled two other people to play yesterday and it was a uh it was a very good it was a very good time. It it's it's a fantastic game to play play with your friends and you'll all and you'll die a lot. <laughs> okay. It it's it's the nature of it. Good. I mean that sounds fucking terrible to me, but like those are popular games. <laughs> blast the maker, blast the coming and going of <laughs> Come back next time for a complete shift. Complete shift for uh with Ted Lasso season two. <laughs> I'm Tyler. I'm Zach. I'm William. Dismissed. Hi everybody, General Tyler here. If you like the show, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us right now, or preferably over at Apple Podcasts, we would super appreciate it, as the whole world is around on algorithms, and we want to be all up in them, getting our voice out to more places. Uh, Also, I mean, tell your friends, we always appreciate that. Uh, If you want to get in contact with us, ask us questions, give us comments, Email us, generalnerderypod at gmail.com. You can also contact us through our website, www.generalnerdcast.com. While you're there, check out all of our back catalog, or click the links up at the top as we are part of the Earverm Podcast Network. Uh, Go check out all of our sister shows. We're involved with most of them, so if you already like listening to us talk, it might be in your best interest. And if you want to check out everything from the network, head over to earverm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. We'd super appreciate it. Love you all. Have a good one.